Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. We got a really good show for you today. And and before I get into that, I'd like to thank everybody that has tuned into this podcast for over the course of this year. This has been great. I'm glad we've been doing it. And I basically have been blessed to spend an hour to two hours Every week, one-on-one with Pastor Daniels, I've got a lot of great knowledge of of things that come out of everything that we've talked about. And today, we really wanted to discuss um, how Everyday Strong even came about and what it means. So welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Uh, Thank you, um, Brother Baker. It's always a pleasure to to be here with uh, the listening audience and those who are viewing us as well. Um, and, and I, I, I echo your sentiment, you know, to all those who've been listening to us and, and, and the encouraging words that they have given and how the uh, podcast has helped them, uh, throughout the time we've been, um, uh, broadcasting. And, and I think, um, the, the, uh, essence of why we do this and, and the, the everyday strong mantra that we have is one that I think is a great value to those that listen. And, and, and so I think it's a, a good opportunity for us to talk about that so everyone can understand why um, that concept is so important to each and every one that's a body of Christ. Mm. So um, give, give us what everyday strong means. Well, you know, if you look at um, the teachings of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, there's, there's some basic concepts that come to light. Uh, number one, um, we are told that there is no weapon that is formed against us that can prosper, uh, which suggests that nothing that our enemies can throw at us can ever really defeat us. Uh, also, uh, the Bible says, if God be for us, then who can be against us. And so if you, if you combine all those things, if you look at, again, what the scripture says about how we should fight, you know, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against wickedness in high places. So therefore we should take on the entire armor of God when we go into battle. So the inference there is, is that for everyone that's in the body of Christ, for every Christian, that we are stronger than any adversary that can go against us. The problem that we face oftentimes is, even though the Bible tells us that, we don't live our lives as if that is, in fact, true. Right. And if you don't believe you are strong, then you walk out as if you are weak. And if the enemy knows you are weak, they exploit those weak points in your life. And so if your faith is weak, they exploit your faith. You know, whatever that weak point is, that's what the enemy is going to exploit. So we who are in the body of Christ need to know that we are stronger than any adversary that comes against us. And that strength should not just be based on Sunday morning when we get up and shout and go right, to church and right. feel great after that service. But it's, and it should not just be on that Wednesday night after Bible study. But we should wake up every day knowing that we are stronger than any problem that we are confronted with. We are stronger than any enemy that comes against us. And to me, that's the basic premise of living every day strong, stepping out, knowing you are victorious every day of your life. Now that you made a, a very good point. Now I have to honestly say that I don't wake up every morning <laughs> putting on the armor of God and, and saying this is going to be a great day, and you know I'm going to conquer uh, all my enemies. It, you just don't. I, me personally, I just don't mm-hmm. wake up every day like that. And you mm-hmm. put it really um, 
good and clear for me. Mm-hmm. That's how I should be waking up. And I can imagine on the days I feel real good. Like I know back in the day when I was playing football, when we was playing a team that I just knew we was going to beat. Mm-hmm. When you woke up in the morning, it was like, this is going to be a great day. Right. You know, it's going to, we're going to, Put up 50 points on them and everything. It's like, can I, you know, I get to play, I play the offense. Mm-hmm. I get to play defense at the end of the game. You know, when it's, it's trash time, the coach put me in on the on defense and I may get a sack or something. I get all excited. Right. But like you said, why don't I get excited like that now when that victory is mine and it's pretty much like guaranteed? It's, it's guaranteed success every day. You know, um, the, here's what J- Jesus said that if we uh, allow him to um, flourish in our lives, you know, he was talking to the apostles, as a matter of fact, on, on one, one time when uh, he was telling them that he would be leaving them uh, to go back to his father. And so they became sad. So he says to them, um, listen, don't get sad. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't mourn my leaving because just because I'm leaving don't mean you still won't have victory. In fact, he says, when I do leave, not only will I leave you with the comfort of the Holy Spirit to ensure your victory, um, but God will still hear my prayer. And every time that I address our Heavenly Father on your behalf, hey, he's going to intercede. You're going to have your victory. Now, like you said, attitude is always a matter of choice. People need to understand yes. that attitude is a matter of choice. So if I wake up every morning saying, let's just use a practical example. Let's say I wake up in the morning saying, you know what, whatever problem had caused me and my spouse maybe to be a little on the outs the day before. If, if we both wake up saying, hey, we can solve that problem. We know we got that problem beat. Then our whole day is better because we're not looking at each other like, well, what he going to do? What's she going to do? <laughs> right. You know, and, and we're not down in the dumps. We're having a good day. The reality of it is this. Have you ever not solved the problem? Have you ever been defeated by a problem? And the answer for 99% of us is no. And the answer for every Christian is no. Our problems don't knock us down. They may cause us to sway, but we always overcome the problem. And then the next problem will come, and here we are fearful again. So we spend more time being fearful than we spend actually dealing with the problem itself. But if you realize every day that you wake up, you know what? There's no problem that God can't solve, that there's nothing I'm going through that cannot be overcome. It changes your whole outlook on that day. And that means that you choose to have a good day. You have a good day. And when you feel strong, you walk strong, you act strong, and those around you are less likely to even try to come against you. Yeah. And, and look, And if we look at it from just a, I guess, a, a natural sense, any, any, uh, any um, police force will tell you, If you're walking at night, always walk as if you are confident. You know, that's what they say. You know, don't don't slouch. Don't look like you are afraid. Always walk like you are confident because the more confident you seem, the less fearful you seem, the less likely people are to try to take advantage of you. If you're walking looking fearful, then people will treat you that way. Right. And so even in a natural sense, we're told to do that. Well, the devil is the same way. He, 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 you know, he scopes out us and sees who is fearful of his tactics, you know, who can't do, who can do. But if you're walking out with confidence, 
the enemy is less likely to even try to attack you. And, and that, that in itself gives you a brighter day because you have fewer attacks from the devil. Now, let's talk about the let's talk about the devil real quick. Now, he just seems to just why doesn't the devil ever let up? Why is he why is the devil so persistent? Well, the better question would be to me is why wouldn't he be? Here's the deal. Success breeds success. That's what we always know. Success breeds success. If I am successful, I will keep trying. If I'm not successful, I will stop trying. Jesus said, resist the devil and he will flee. In other words, if the devil is not successful, he will leave you alone. The thing is that he's often so successful in our (laughs) lives. (laughs) And because he's so successful, there's no reason to stop. Right. You know, again, let's use let's use a marriage, for example. How many times have uh, people had a small issue come up in a relationship? I mean, something that's really minute and it end up blowing up and now you're mad for two and three days. It can be something as minor as um, what somebody cook for dinner, yeah. you know, and, and, and one person can, can, well, mm, I don't really want that. So you, you don't eat it. So you go to the store and buy something else. And then the wife is like, well, I spent all this time cooking and you went out and you got this <laughs> right. and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And now she's mad. Well, I ain't cooking no more. And, and it blows all up when it was something so minor. Now, don't you have a right not to like something? I mean, is that such a bad thing if you cook something that I don't like? Okay, he don't like it. I don't get mad at him because he don't like it right. because his taste is his taste. But the enemy will use that to cause us to flare up at one another. And now everything gets into the picture. And now it just ain't the cooking. Now it's the clothes. <laughs> right. Now it's, well, I don't like your mama no way. Because right. your mama taught you how to cook. And, the, the, you know, all this stuff coming in. So the devil is oftentimes successful. And so when he's successful, success breeds success. He keeps coming back and keeps coming back. If we could learn to always use the tools that we have, the scripture is clear, no weapon formed against us, no weapon. Anything the enemy throws at us, we have the tools that we need to deflect them. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. So that way we can fight off the wiles of the devil. But we have to actually put the armor on and we have to actually use them so we can be victorious. Now, how can we recognize, Pastor, when we walked out the door in the morning to go, you know, to work, go to our job? When we how do we recognize when we don't have the armor on. Well, here's the thing. The Bible says, put on the armor of God, right? So it's kind of like a, putting a coat on, right? I know I don't have the coat on because I didn't put it on. I right. guess that, 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 I mean, that's really, <laughs> how, how, you know, the, the, the thing. Um, it, the, the Bible describes the armor in, I guess, tactical terms, you know, the faith, you know, I mean, excuse me, helmet, shield, sword, those kind of things. For example, the Bible says, take, always take the sword, which is the word of God with you whenever you go. Well, how do I know I don't have the word of God? Just like I know I don't have what I need to pass a test. 
Right. Right. Because, you know, if you go to, let's say, uh, take a history test and the test is on the Civil War, you know whether or not you studied enough to pass that test. And so if you come to that class and you haven't studied, you are afraid when they pass the test out. Mm -hmm. If you are well versed in all the aspects of the Civil War, then when they pass the test out, you're confident. You sit down. You don't even sweat it. You pass the test. You walk away saying, I know I got an A. Right. It's the same thing. How can I take the word if I haven't studied the word? So how can I use the word to combat the devil if I have I don't know the word? And the Bible says the word is like our sword. It is that which we will use to fight with. Well, you can't fight with something that you don't have. And so that's the kicker. Now, if you think about many Christians and, and, and I hope our listening audience don't take this as a hit on them. But, you know, I look at, you know, Enoch Baptist Church, for example, and I know we're not alone in this. Uh, probably I would say on the average Wednesday, which is our Bible study night, where we really, where you really get deep in studying the word, uh, mm-hmm. we call it Bible school. Um, less than 8% of the congregation come back for Bible study. So to actually study the word of God right. now, because most people come to church not to study God, uh, but uh, for handouts, let me say, you know, when I say handouts, they come to feel good on that day. You know, right. they come to get uh, an immediate problem solved, you know, or this kind of thing. They come for the entertainment factor. Well, if you came for the entertainment factor, then on Monday and Tuesday, you're vulnerable. OK, mm-hmm. you're extremely vulnerable because you don't have you don't have any offensive weapons. All right. If I'm there on Wednesday nights and I'm studying God's word or if I am studying God's word, even on my own, then I have my sword. So I have an offensive weapon every day I step out. I can use the word of God uh, offensively to handle things. Let's look at, um, for example, faith. The Bible said the faith cometh by hearing and hearing, you know, uh, by the word and uh, so forth and so on. Now, how do I know I don't have faith? Easy. If I don't believe I'm going to be victorious, <laughs> I don't have faith, right, right. <laughs> you know, and so that faith coming by getting that word in me. And so they both go hand in hand is that the more I know the word, the more I have faith and the more I can use the word offensively and defensively. So I make it more practical. When I run into issues in life, like we've been saying on the show, if I go and find the answer to the issue that I have, the tool to fix it, then I, once I find it, I've got to utilize it. Right. And because a lot of times people will get you'll get the solution, but you won't do it. Right. You know, every Sunday, Pastor, you're, you're, you're in the pulpit giving us solutions, mm-hmm. you know, and then sometimes it's cut and dry. Sometimes you got to just get downright dirty with people and say, look, this is what you're not doing. You know, so absolutely. Why is it that people have? Why do we have to get the two by four upside the head in order for us to actually get it? Well, uh, here's the thing. Here's what the scripture says. A wise man um, adheres to reproof. In other words, wise folk you can talk to. A fool requires many stripes. Uh, people who are not wise have to be beat over the head four and five times. And, and we know that to be true. For example, you can tell a wise man, save your money, you know, spend frugally, prepare a budget, and they'll do it. 
a fool um, has to get deep in debt first. They got to lose some stuff. They got to file bankruptcy two or three times. They got to get the credit card. They gotta, right. The credit got to go bad before they will actually stop spending money foolishly in these kind of things. Well, again, it's because we are not, if you don't use the tools, you are more susceptible to the devil uh, creating an environment where you think you don't need the tools. And that's a, that's a huge trick of the devil. Let's, let's uh, go back and look at Adam and Eve, for example. Um, the devil used a huge tool on Adam and Eve um, in that he tells Eve, listen, what you have heard from God uh, or what you think you heard from God is not really what you heard from God, <laughs> you know, uh, that it, it's okay to, to, to disobey God uh, because you are interpreting what God said to you the wrong way. Right. And so she, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Perhaps I did hear him the wrong way. So let's go ahead and disobey him. Let's uh, eat of the fruit of the forbidden tree, right? Uh, and that's how human nature is. Satan comes against us and he uh, prompts us to think that what we heard or what we know uh, is not quite as what we have heard it. And so he helps us to justify our, our, our not doing what's appropriate. And, and once Satan helps you justify doing something that's inappropriate, you're going to do it because you've now convinced yourself that, you know what, hmm, that does make sense. And so he uses that as a way of keeping us to continue doing what we have been doing, even though we know what we have been doing doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest, uh, Pastor. Some things in the Bible, it's a very thick book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like one of the biggest books, if not the biggest ever. Mm-hmm. No, it's the most, the, the most sold book. Right. right. It's some things that's hard to find sometimes in the Bible if I'm looking for a, a very specific um, issue that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And then if I go grab a study Bible, the study Bible is going to give me like three or four different stories maybe, mm-hmm. but then our, our scriptures but then I got to read the entire story. And if it's, you know, I'm going to be honest, if it's not NIV, I get kind of lost reading it. So is there any other type of tools that we use along with the Bible to help us understand the Bible a little bit more? Well, let me say this. Two or things. Better. Two things. Uh, number one, here's what the Bible says about the Bible. Study to show thyself approved. A workman that need not be ashamed rightly dividing the Bible. So what that's saying basically is I need to study the Bible so I know how to use the Bible, (laughs) because if I don't study it, I won't know where stuff is at when I need to go find it. Number one. The second thing is this understand, uh, you know, and and this is, uh, uh, I guess if to get into it really deep would take a whole nother session, but just in brief, if you consider that how the Bible was derived, right. um, The simple thing to think about is, is like this. The Bible is a history book. That's really what it is. It's a history book. It's a compilation of historical facts about the Hebrew nation, not written by one person, but by several authors as they travel through time. So the reason why we have a lot of different books in the Old Testament is because it's, it's covering history. So it's different periods of history that each person recorded. Then you have uh, a group of prophets. And the so one group of books tell 
what happened. The prophets tend to tell you why it happened and and, and God's words about why it happened, Mm -hmm. why they were going through, what they could have done differently to make things happen. And so that's the context in which you read the Old Testament, the actual history and the prophets that are talking about what happened. Then you go to the New Testament and you have a similar setup in that you have uh, the Gospels and the Gospels tell us a history. That's the history of the life of Christ as he walked on this earth. And then you have the epistles. Those epistles are letters that were written to various groups of people about various problems they were having either in their churches or individual problems, those kind of things. So uh, when you look at it in that landscape, um, that's why if you don't understand how the Bible was written, then you, of course, it makes it difficult to know where to go, you know, to find what you need to find. The other thing is this, is that remember the Bible was translated for the, the version that most people read is the version that was trans, that was commissioned, I should say, commissioned to be translated by, 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 by King James, 1611. People think he had the Bible written to f- fit his needs. No, he had the Bible translated so he could read it because he wanted to be able to read it for himself. So, but the issue is not that the Bible is so complex. It is, it was translated in 1611. So it's written in the language of that day. It's just like, you know, if you remember when you, you know, back in your college days, when you had to read Oedipus Rex, so you had to read Shakespeare, if you had all those, all those Shakespearean plays, uh, you know, what have you, or Homer, you know, these things. It's difficult to understand them because we don't understand the language of that day. Right. And so because the Bible was translated, the King James Version was translated in 1611, most of us who don't understand the language of that day have a problem understanding the Bible. But if you understand the language of that day, it's kind of straightforward. Well, and not to be honest, you know, when my first step into faith, which is years ago, is opening the King James Version Bible. I was like, this is English. <laughs> and I'm still confused. Right. Because yeah, it's, it's old English. You know? Right. And, and again, similarly, you think about when you had to read, you know, if you, if you read, you know, the Odyssey, you know, the Homer, right. uh, it, it was, it's not like it's just straightforward stuff. You know, that's right. why they teach it in college. And that's why you spend semester going over this kind of stuff, because this is the language that we deal with. But if you lived in it in that era. Yeah, the right. language was simple to you. And and so if you say, well, what's another book I can read? Well, if you get well versed in English literature, <laughs> then it's easy to understand, right. understand the Bible. Uh, but one other approach you do is you, you, you get a Bible that has a concordance and the concordance will give you the current day uh, words for the old English, you know, word. And that, that kind of makes it kind of straightforward. But I would say to anyone, once you start reading it, what you find is, it's just like once you started reading any literary work, you know, uh, take War and Peace, for example. I don't know if right. you've read War and Peace, but uh, that's a thick book. Yeah. And when you first start reading War and Peace, it's like, Good God, this, you know, it, it, it's not easy to digest. Right. But once you get into it, then it's easy. It comes straight forward. And the Bible is the same way. The other thing I would say is this. You have to read the Bible not trying to interpret it. That's the wrong way to read the Bible. You read the Bible for, for what it is. Again, a history book. It's a history book. It tells you the history of the Hebrew nation. So right. you read it like history. The only thing that's different is it also tells you the why. And so, for example, uh, when you look at Moses as he's, uh, you know, going, um, let's say when Moses defeats Pharaoh, right? Mm-hmm. 
Well, the history of it is that Moses did, you know, if you look at history, it tells us there was a great exodus from Egypt, that the Hebrews exited Egypt is a great exodus. But what we don't know is how they were able to do it. The Bible gives us the how they were able to do it mm-hmm. by the hand of God. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, this is really good information. I, I think anybody that is starting their journey in, in the faith with Jesus should definitely pick up a Bible and start just looking at it and reading certain things. And a lot of times it's kind of like learning a new computer or learning anything new. You just got to just start doing it. The best way to start something is just do it. You're going to make mistakes, but that's what your church family is for. That's what your pastor's for. If you got questions, ask the people, ask your deacon, ask your church family. And I'm pretty sure somebody's going to come around and help you. Well, and that's the thing. The scripture is clear. It says, how can they, how can they listen without a preacher? <laughs> so the Bible says, I will appoint you pastors according to my own heart, that they can lead you and that they can guide you and that kind of thing. And so you definitely want to get into a Bible believing church, one that believes in teaching the Bible in its purity and not based on a lot of opinion. And again, you know, um, and, and that's what living every day strong is about, is that the more you know God's word, the more you're able to live every day to the fullest, the more you're able to always defeat every enemy that comes your way. Uh, and, and, and I don't mean destroy every enemy. And that's what sometimes people think. De- destroying is not necessarily what is needed to defeat. Right. Uh, but you're able to put the enemy in the perspective place so that it doesn't negatively impact your life. And so every day is a good day for you. Every day on your job is a good day. Every day in your family is a good day. Every day recreationally is a good day. Every day socially is a good day. Every day strong. Every day strong. <laughs> well, you heard it here, people. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.